But there was no time, not while there were still bullets left in the assassin's gun. I rolled out of my seat and onto the roadside just as he fired a fourth shot. I couldn't say where the bullet ended up, only that it hadn't passed through me. I dived back behind the Rolls's open door as the assailant fired once more. The bullet struck the car just in front of my face. I've seen bullets rip through sheet metal as if it was no more than tissue paper, so it seemed a miracle when this one failed to penetrate the door. Later, I'd learned that the prince's rolls was plated with solid silver. Money well spent. I shifted position, expecting a sixth shot, but instead came the wonderful click of an empty gun. That suggested a revolver with only five chambers, or an assassin with only five bullets, and though the former was rare, the latter was unheard of. I'd never yet met a professional killer who skimped on ammunition. Taking my chance, I pulled my Webley from its holster, rose, fired, and missed, the bullet splintering the trunk of a nearby tree. The attacker was already running. On the back seat, Surrendernot was kneeling over the prince, trying to staunch the flow of blood from the man's chest with his shirt. At the front of the car, Colonel Aurora rose unsteadily to his feet and put one hand to his bloodied scalp. He'd been lucky. His turban seemed to have absorbed much of the blow. Without it, he might not have got up so quickly, or at all. "'Get the prince to a hospital!' I shouted to him as I sprinted after the attacker. The man had a head start of about twenty-five yards and had already made it to the far side of Charingi. He'd chosen the location of his attack well. Charingi was an odd street. The opposite pavement was one of the busiest thoroughfares in town, its boutiques, hotels and colonnaded arcade packed with pedestrians. This side, however, open to the sun and bordered only by the open expanse of the Maidan, was generally deserted. The only people on this side of the road were a couple of coolies, and they weren't exactly the sort who came running to help at the sound of gunshots. I chased after the assassin, narrowly avoiding several cars as I raced across the four lanes of traffic. I'd have lost him in the throng outside the whitewashed walls of the Indian Museum if it hadn't been for his bright orange robes. Firing into the crowd was too dangerous. In any case, taking a shot at someone dressed as a Hindu holy man in front of so many people would have been madness. I had enough to worry about without instigating a religious riot. The assassin dived into the maze of lanes that ran off to the east of Charingi. He was in good shape, or at least better shape than I was, and if anything, the distance between us was lengthening. I reached the top of the lane, tried to catch my breath, and shouted at him to stop. I didn't hold out any real hope. It's not often that an assassin armed with a gun and a good head start does the decent thing and heeds such a request. But to my surprise, the man did just that. He stopped, spun round, raised his gun and fired. He must have reloaded on the run. Pretty impressive. I threw myself to the ground in time to hear the bullet explode into the wall beside me, sending shards of brick and powder into the air. I scrambled to my feet and returned fire, again hitting nothing more than air. The man turned and fled into the labyrinth of streets. He turned left into an alley, and I lost sight of him. I kept running. From ahead of me came a strange rumble, the sound of massed voices 
and the rhythmic beating of drums. Emerging from the lane, I turned the corner onto Dharma Toller Street and came to a dead stop. The wide thoroughfare was jammed with people, natives to a man. The roar was deafening. Voices were chanting in time with the drums. Towards the head of the throng was a monstrous wheeled contraption, three stories tall and resembling a Hindu temple. The thing was moving slowly, pulled along by a mass of men hauling ropes a hundred feet long. I searched frantically for the assassin, but it was no use. The scrum was too thick, and too many of them wore saffron shirts. The man had disappeared.